But Revelation is not a book about the end. It is not a book meant to terrify us. It is a book about what the resurrection means in the midst of things falling apart. It is a book filled with hope and promise. It is a book that reminds us that God changes tactics sometimes, and it is okay if we do too. In the book about adaptive leadership uh, entitled Canoeing the Mountains, Fuller Seminary Vice President and author Todd Bolzinger tells the story of Lewis and Clark and how they planned this great canoe expedition to find a water route to connect the East Coast to the West Coast. They were trying to get to the Pacific Ocean. They had been instructed, maybe voluntold by the president, to find a way to connect East and West by waterway. So they set off on a river adventure with their canoes and their guides. And honestly, it was going pretty good until they ran into the Rocky Mountains. They had to ask themselves a question. What was the goal here? Do we care more about getting to the Pacific Ocean or staying in the water? Was this a canoeing expedition or an exploration to the West Coast? Was connecting East and West more important than a water route? Because obviously, let's be honest, you cannot canoe a mountain, which is how Todd named his book, right? You cannot canoe mountains. They had to make a choice. What got us here is good, but cannot take us further, they said. Are we going to leave the canoe behind and find a new way forward or stop here because we are rafting experts and the landscape has changed? This is the moment where they realized their mission had failed. Their initial plan no longer worked. Paddling harder would not help. But, and this is a big but, they did not stop. They saw the landscape had changed. They adjusted accordingly. Was it easy? No. Not at all. If you've ever climbed a Rocky Mountain, any of them, it's not easy. They adapted. They did what they had to do. But a canoe does no good when you run out of water, Bolzinger says, so they had to let it go. And with them, with their canoes, the familiar way of doing things, the plan they had made, and the expectations for what that future trek would look like had to be set down as well. Sound familiar, anyone? We're still in the season of Easter. You heard resurrection songs sung from the choir. You heard Jesus is Alive sung from Paul. We are still in Easter season. We are trying to spend these weeks after Easter Sunday figuring out what it means to live and love and even die within a new resurrection reality. Revelation is a great book for this Easter season. Now, I am very aware that this is likely a book you haven't spent a ton of time in. Maybe you've read parts of it and it freaked you out a little bit, or maybe you heard something about horsemen of the apocalypse or the end times, or someone told you you'd be left behind, or maybe you saw some Hollywood rendition of Revelation with Kirk Cameron in it and you just can't hear 
or read any of this anymore without those pictures entering your mind, so you just kind of set it over there and say, no, I don't, no thank you. I get it, I get it. But Revelation is not a book about the end. It is not a book meant to terrify us. It is a book about what the resurrection means in the midst of things falling apart. It is a book filled with hope and promise. It is a book that reminds us that God changes tactics sometimes, and it is okay if we do too. So no matter what you think you might know about the book of Revelation, I want you to just set it aside for a minute. You can pick it up later if you want to, but come with me into this section of Revelation with a new sense of openness and curiosity about what it might have to say. The book of Revelation was written to congregations for individual churches, churches full of normal, regular people, just like you and me, who were in the middle of vast change and wondering what it means to be the church now. Sound familiar? Again? This is not, there is something for us here in this book. It's not about monsters and things that go bump in the night. It isn't about end times. This is a book for people who have survived what felt like the end of the world and are looking around in the rubble and saying, well, now what? This book has one constant and recurring theme, and I have to be honest, it is not. Everything is awful. Here's how you know it's the end. The constant and recurring theme of Revelation is God is present. When it feels like the end of the world, when everything can and will change, when things pass away, we can know through it all, in the midst of it all, God is there. God will still be there and still be God. So if you haven't caught it yet, I love this book of the Bible. <laughs> I wrote a study about it in a final project in a seminary class. Our group life went through this book a few years ago during a session. Revelation doesn't actually show up that much in the lectionary because turns out lots of people are a little nervous about it. So when it came up as one of today's readings, I jumped at the chance to sit in it a bit, and that is what we're gonna do. While I think this book always has something to say to us, I think it really has something to say to us today. In this particular moment in our history, as a church, and just as people in the world. So we begin. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. These first verses say, here we are, everything is ended. The first way is done and gone. A new way is coming. Take a quick note, hasn't arrived yet. It's still on its way down from heaven. So, welcome to the in-between time, everybody. That is where we sit. We also call this in-between space the liminal space. We like to think in our heads that the liminal space is a strange, rarely traveled road, but it is actually the road we live on most often. It is everywhere, not just in our lives, everywhere in scripture. Most of the Bible is in the liminal space. The not yet, the in-between, it's where we are right now. 
but we do not like it here. We honestly, as people, try to do just about anything we can to leave this liminal space. Father Richard Rohr once said that the liminal space is where God is always leading us and we never want to go. Author and pastor Susan Beaumont said, our resistance to this liminal space stems from the fact that liminality always begins with an ending or an experience of loss. And humankind resists loss. And we also resist the unknowing inherent in a not yet. It is the loss of control over our own destiny. When we are talking about a new heaven and a new earth, we aren't talking about something we've seen before. So we cannot do what we have always done. We cannot simply paddle harder in our canoe up a mountain. We cannot simply do the things we've done before, but more of it and bigger and better. We have to sit here in this uncomfortable space and place and see at the same time both where we have come from and also what is coming. And know that what is coming looks nothing like we're used to. If we're honest, we hear this verse, a new heaven and a new earth, and it, it sounds like good news, but it is so scary if we sit with it for a second. When something changes, it means something's lost. And as Susan Beaumont says, we resist loss at all costs. Loss is hard. These first verses of Revelation 21 speak so clearly about the liminal space. The old has died, the new is on the way, but it is not here yet. We are in that middle space right now, all of us. The landscape has changed. We can't keep going forward the way we thought we were going to go. We just can't. We are together right now as a community, as people, standing at the base of our proverbial mountain, holding onto our canoe and saying, what do we do now? I don't know exactly, and that's the rub, isn't it? The liminal space is full of more questions than answers. It's full of more possibilities and plans. And it is scary, but what I do know is that I want to be a part of whatever God is doing next. I want to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth, even though it kind of scares the bejesus out of me to not know what's coming. The passage continues. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them as their God. They will be God's people, and God will be with them as their God. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. So we're standing in the rubble at the base of a mountain holding our canoe. And where is God? right in the middle of it. God stays, God dwells. This word in Revelation 21, dwell, is the same word as in John 1, where the word became flesh and dwelled among us. It is the same word in John 14, where Jesus promises the presence of the Holy Spirit will dwell with us, will stay, remain, abide, set up a tent and stick around for a while. The promise given in these little verses here in 21 
is the promise of God's presence with us. God makes God's home with us. You see, resurrection is not just a future promise. It is the promise of God's presence even now, in the middle of whatever we're going through, in the midst of the reality of death. As we sit here wondering, what now? Before we can move forward into what is next, we cannot ignore the reality of the loss that permeates the liminal space. Setting down our canoe is so hard. Leaving it behind is so hard. Everything changing is so hard. Y'all, so many things have changed in the past two years. So many. And I'm not sure we've taken the time to sit and process it, to really sit and process it. Have we taken the time to come to terms with the way things are not the way they used to be and they will not go back? They will never go back. Have we sat with that? People we love have gotten sick or died. A way of life we loved is now very different. A job we loved is now very different. Just take a moment, one deep breath, do it with me, one deep breath, and think about everything that has been lost. Really, do it, one deep breath. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Everybody's like, move on, Natalia, move on, move on, move on, move on. A new heaven and a new earth are coming, but they don't come without loss, without death, without leaving some things behind, even if those things are simply our expectations of the way we thought things would be. This set of verses reminds us that God does not expect us to be okay with all this change and does not leave us to deal with it on our own. God is present with us in the middle of all the hard things. And note, God is not passive, just sitting there watching it happen. God is active, wiping our tears, helping us grieve, relieving our pain. God cares for us and sees our grief and loss and does not pretend it's not there, but also points us towards what is coming. Verse 5, and the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also they said, Write this, for these are trustworthy and true words. This is that pointing towards what is next. See, look, behold, I am making all things new, God says. All things, even this, even the worst thing, even that thing you thought was actually pretty good already. I am making all things new, all. God is always creating and renewing, always. This isn't easy on people who don't love change. But there is something really beautiful and powerful about the knowledge that what we have now is not what will always be. I make all things new. Another translation of this verse that I just love is, see, I am doing a new thing. I need to point out again that this is good news and also scary news. The scary part is that we don't know what the new thing is. 
We certainly don't know what to look for, and that is the whole point. We have not done this before. The whole point of the liminal space that we find ourselves in is it is ripe with possibility. The second we move back into the way we used to do it is the second we are part of the old thing that is dying, not the new thing that is coming. Look how good it was. Look what we used to be. Look how we used to do this so well. Yes, that is true. It is so true. It is very true. And also, we can trust God and let those things go, no matter how, uncom how comfortable and good they may have been in the past. And by doing that, we can let go in order to make room for what God is doing here and now. We can set down the canoes we are carrying. So I've debated talking about this from the pulpit, but I'm going to. Did I bring a Kleenex up in case I cry about it? You bet I did. If you're a sympathetic crier, you've been warned, all right? About a month ago, Pastor Chad mentioned that someone told him in a letter we received that he didn't live out the gospel he preached. What he didn't say is I was included in that same critique. I was also told I wasn't living out the gospel, that I'm not doing enough. Honestly, maybe I should consider not being a pastor at all. I will be very honest, it broke a part of me that I'm having a very difficult time recovering from. I don't say this to garner support or sympathy. Poor Natalia, you don't need to come up to me afterwards and tell me I'm a good pastor. God has told me I'm a good pastor. I say this to remind us all of the difficulties we are all facing in this liminal space, even your pastors. This liminal space, this in-between time, is full of pain of the most recent past, the anxiety of the here and now, and the angst of not being able to know the future. This liminal space is vulnerable and painful. We have choices while we sit here in this in-between time. Choices to be kind and careful with our words and ways or not. I've had some time to sit with those words. I've also had some time with Pastor Chad's response to those words a few weeks ago in that sermon where he said, none of us live the gospel we preach. That goes for all followers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just those who hold professional titles to a call to do so on a regular basis. We live the gospel we preach through our words, through our actions, through our thoughts, through how we care for one another, and we fall short every day, all the time. I don't know how to live the gospel I preach. I know I don't do enough. I for sure mess up and let people down. This is the landscape of the liminal space. Not just for me, but for everybody. This is the place where God sits with us, right here, right here, and says, see, I am doing a new thing. I'm in the midst of the brokenness, where you are, in this painful place, and I am making it new. 
I am in the midst of the ways you do not meet expectations. I am making it new. I am making you new. Every day, all things new. So I'm not perfect. Shocker, I know. Being ordained didn't make me magic. Didn't. But I am loved. I am redeemed. I am made new. I am trying to sit in this weird, awful, liminal space where we can't go back and we're not yet where we're meant to be. I'm trying to trust that this present moment is not the last moment. And if it is, then who knows, maybe it is. At least I didn't lie about who I am or what I believe. At least I didn't perform okayness or pretend that I'm perfect or that I haven't let people down or that this life is anything hard, less hard than it is. That's all standing at the bottom of the mountain, getting in a canoe and trying to paddle. Just like Pastor Chad said, I don't live out the gospel I preach. Who can? The grace of God, the reality of this resurrection life we are now in the midst of means that my shortfalls, your shortfalls, which are many, are not the end of the story. See, God says to me, you are a new thing. See, God says to you, you are a new thing. This is trustworthy and true. Write it down. It's trustworthy and true. So few things are. I am doing a new thing. Verse 6. Then they said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. I am the Alpha and Omega, God says. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am the first and the last, God says. I am, not you, not me. God. As hard as this verse is for me to hear, we don't get to determine the beginning or the end. God is the beginning and the end, and this, this space we're sitting in, is not the end. We are not in charge. We don't get to decide what it looks like, and this is almost as hard as not knowing what is coming. <laughs> we want to know and control. I get it. I really, really do. It can be exhausting, all this sitting in the unknown and the uncontrollable liminal space. That's where we're all feeling right now. And sure, we can blame a lot of this on the pandemic that shows literally glimmers of letting up and then destroying our hopes once again. But it can also be included in a winter that literally never gave up on us, just stuck around forever in an April where we saw the sunshine one day. <laughs> It all is a part of this. The liminal space, this liminal space in which we are currently living is exhausting. We want the new thing now, right now. We want to decide just the right time when we let go of the old thing 
and when the new thing can come. We want to be in charge. We want to tell you how this goes. We also would like you to tell us how it's going to happen so we can plan accordingly. That's just not how it works. <laughs> I am the Alpha and Omega, God says. So remember, God is with us in this liminal space. You've heard it over and over again this morning. And when we are just done, exhausted, at the end of our proverbial ropes, feeling worn down or fragile or hurt from the arrows of sideways grief that have been slung our way, God offers us just one more gift in this section of Revelation. A drink from the water of life. When we are thirsty, when we feel like this must be the end, it must be. Things are awful. It must be. When we are so parched for a bit of hope or good news, God is there with a drink. It is the promise we gather around today. We will be fed and nourished. We will survive and continue and even, even thrive. And God will be with us through it all, in the midst of us, dwelling with us. Even though we don't know what the next thing looks like, we trust that God is making a new thing, loving us, sustaining us, making all things new, us included. Amen. All right, so if you're finding yourself um, feeling like these words this morning were pretty familiar, you feel the liminal space acutely in these days, the not knowing, the grief over what has been lost, the difficulties, the exhaustion. If you need to hear it again, we're gonna hear it just one more time. Are you ready? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them as their God, and God will be with them. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. We have been fed and nourished, so now we go. May we go from this space confident that the same one who is both beginning and end, the one who gives us water from the spring of life, is the same one that sits with us in this hard liminal space that is right now. 
God will never leave us, and God is making all things new. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.